Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project where I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. The one and only Brian Dewhurst. Let's and get into it. And his beard looks amazing today. I'm feeling good about it. Uh, you should. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Uh, we're grateful for your time. That's first and foremost. We always want to bring and uh, provide a lot of value. We do have a lot of listeners and it's so much fun to get their feedback. Uh, positive. Usually it's positive. Usually I've it's never positive. had anybody be like, you suck at life, which if you have that, I would love to hear it. Uh, again, my name is Philip Ramsey. Uh, we have an amazing guest on the show today, as we always do, uh, kind of to go about a little bit different, um, but I think it's still powerful. So, Brian, let's introduce him and let's go from there. Yes, we have uh, the one and only, the founder of the Shamasian Academic Consulting and one of the world's uh, world's foremost experts on college admissions, uh, Dr. Shirag Shamasian has spent the past 15 years helping thousands of students and families get into top programs around the United States. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shamasian. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun to get you on the show, honestly. Because how did you get to this point where you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a business helping other people get into college, which is kind of a daunting process. Let's just address it. How did you start like, yeah, I'm going to make a company out of this. I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. You know, I've never met a child, you know, like in their elementary school or high school when you ask them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one ever says, I want to help people get into college. No one, literally no one has ever <laughs> told me that. Um, and I don't think uh, anyone ever will, but, you know, I, I'd be happy to be corrected. You know, I was focusing when I was a kid on making it to the NBA before I realized, hey, there are no oh. Armenian guys. I don't think it's going to happen for me. But <laughs> in any case, um, I think it was... It all happened organically and out of necessity, uh, you know, for myself because, you know, my parents came here uh, from Lebanon when there was a civil war over there in the 70s. And, mm -hmm. you know, my they were able to get out in part because my dad got his master's uh, in southern Illinois. So, they moved to St. Louis before moving on to Los Angeles. And to us, they always preached education. So, my brother mm -hmm. and me, you know, they're like, they gave us what I call the immigrant menu, you know, be a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, um, engineer, whatever. And we just sort of internalized that, like that was a normal thing that you right. do. And so, we went through school, but then when it was time to go to college, you know, you turn to mom and dad for support. They're like, what? Oh, you wanted us to help you. No, no, no. We just have this goal for you. Uh, we, we didn't tell you, you know. The old T-Rex arm. Yeah. We never, <laughs> we never promised you the treasure map, just, you know, that there's something out there and you should go find it. Um, and so, I had to learn on my own. Um, you know, I went to a school where we didn't have very much in the way of college counseling, certainly not outside of, you know, the LA area, the immediate area. And so, I was self-taught in that process. And when I was having my own success with, you know, undergrad admissions and grad admissions and getting all these scholarships, it was like people coming out of the woodwork and saying, oh, you know, I've sort of had these dreams too, but I didn't know where to look. It was almost like people who were closeted about this, right? Mm. And as I was assisting people, 
they were having a ton of success themselves and referring others. And over time, it just kind of blossomed that way. Um, again, it never was the kind of thing where there was a vision of, you know, I want it to be like this or that it would be a business period, uh, mm -hmm. let alone, you know, serving the number of students that we have. So again, you know, I think with a lot of entrepreneurial pursuits, it's about scratching your own itch and solving problems for yourself or problems that you see. And uh, over time, it's just, you know, been a blessing to meet all the families that, that I have and to serve folks that we have. So the side hustle kind of became the main hustle. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, there was no hustle in the beginning even. Right. right? It wasn't side or main. Uh, it was just a, a labor of love, um, gotcha. you know, first for myself and, and then for other people. And yeah, and then it went from side to full. Because you really do think about like the college admission, you really just have to do it once, hopefully, right? Like, yeah. And everyone's kind of dreading it. And then once it's there, you fight through it and you get through it, hopefully. But mm -hmm. what you do is kind of give them experience. Obviously, like you've done this with many families. So you can start kind of guiding and directing their path. So it can make it a enjoyable experience, not just one that's like everyone's daunting. Maybe it's just me daunting it because I was not the smartest student. But uh, so tell us a little bit about exactly how you help your families. Yeah, the are, process. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you know, there are different tiers to this whole thing. You know, when you bring up um, Philip about how it's daunting, it's really the case where if you're looking to go to a college, you know, to get a bachelor's degree and move on, it's probably a little bit less daunting. Mm. Um, because we're, you know, we're blessed to live in a country where there are thousands of, you know, right. institutions of higher education and chances are you can get in somewhere, right? right. It's very different uh, you know, in medical school, which is an area we specialize in where it's a question of if you will get in anywhere, right? Uh, That's right. a whole different proposition. Now, Great point. there's a subset of students though, when it comes to college admissions who have specific goals. You know, if you're talking about, I want to go to college and get a college education, it's stressful, but it's not ultra stressful. It becomes ultra stressful when you say, I want to go to a top 40 school, a top 20 school, a top 10 school. Yeah. Because now you're dealing with places that have sub 5% acceptance rates oftentimes. And even though we sort of intellectually understand that it's a very difficult prospect, emotionally, it's something that we've seen ourselves doing or institutions we've seen ourselves attending since we were kids. Or if we're parents, we've envisioned that for our children, right? So if there's a school that has a 4% acceptance rate, you say, wow, that's really low. But then you're still shocked if it didn't work out, which is yeah, kind of weird. Totally. In no other area of life, like for instance, if you're a sports fan, and, right. you know, your team has a 3% chance of winning. You don't say, God, I can't believe we lost that one. Right. Yeah. Right. It didn't go but away. If, but, in yeah, but in college admissions... When you don't get into MIT and you always thought you would go to MIT, you're still pretty surprised. Right. So it's a very weird hmm. domain of life where we have this expectation. We've seen ourselves doing these things. We understand intellectually how hard it is, but emotionally, we don't quite get it until we go through it. And so our job really is to assist families with every aspect of that process. Um, so whether it's, you know, making decisions around course selection or extracurricular activities, how to build that narrative, how to build that extracurricular profile, which will impress, you know, admissions committees down the line, assisting them with summer planning, 
you know, whom to get recommendation letters from, how to develop college essays, uh, wow. interview coaching for schools that require it. So really end to end in that way. That's really cool. Now, I'm going to ask this and I'm kind of mad I'm asking it. So please just forgive me. Sure. I've watched the Netflix documentary, the admission scandal, the college admission scandal. Mm. This is not what you're talking about. I know you're not talking about that, but it's very interesting that how quickly that business took off and he was doing it fraudulently. So a little bit of background about that is he basically would say he would get your kid into a Ivy, Ivy school or some prestigious school. And what he would do is like basically pay somebody off on the board that can bring them in. It was scandalous. This is not what you're saying, but how powerful it is to actually help somebody get into a school and do it the right way is powerful. What is your percent of success rate when you're dealing with your families? I would love to Mm -hmm. hear that. Yeah. And and thank you for making that distinction, you know, because it was funny around the time of the scandal, people would call me and say, you're not part of that, are you? I'm like, no, 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 this is, you know, and and sometimes people would ask me like, do you think others are doing it? I'm like, maybe, I I don't know, you know, like um, it's easy to see when something is so high stakes and it's something that people want so bad. It's not, it doesn't take that much imagination to see how things can go awry. And, you know, with that specific situation, you know, the way I understand it with Mr. Singer's organization, you know, there were things going on like paying uh, people to take standardized tests on the student's behalf, right? So that's obviously wow. uh, fraudulent and, and things like, you know, taking photos of a student participating in a certain sport and being a top recruit when they in fact were not uh, and you know getting into top colleges in that way so there were there were pretty concerning things um, this is not that you know there's no uh, there's nothing like that going on um, you know with us of course but I mean to answer your question about you know our student success rate you know over 90 percent of our students uh, get into one or more of their top three choices um, and we've been doing this for for a number of years at this point and and so our students, you know, have really high expectations. So, you know, our average student is a is a major high achiever. They have a 4.0 GPA or close to it. Um, they've done very well on their SAT or ACT, uh, which is, of course, a whole different discussion as, you know, most schools go test optional. Uh, and on top of that, they've done well on APs and stuff like that. And, and so our job is essentially to take, um, you know, students who are already exceptional or have shown exceptional promise and assisting them with portraying their background in a way that jumps off the page with college admissions committees. Because I have to tell you, uh, Brian and Philip, that there are a ton of students out there who do exceptionally well academically. Yeah. But by grades alone, they're not very distinguishable. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, you know, y'all are in Iowa, I live in San Diego, and think about all the different metropolitan centers in the United States and think about every metropolitan center has several good high schools. And in that high school, there's, you know, there are a certain number of people who are in the top <laughs> 5% of their class sure. and all that kind of stuff. And now they're all thrown into the same pool and they're competing with each other. And so yeah. you might be the top kid in your school in Seattle, but now you're going up against all the top kids right. in all the top schools, not only in Seattle, but everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And you have to stand out. And, and so probably internationally too, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And those numbers, you know, have gone up across certain schools too. So just to help people understand, you know, what the difficulty is here, that's the level of competition we're dealing with. And so I tell families all the time, you know, yes, grades and test scores are important, 
but don't over-focus on that at the expense of everything else. Because look, at the end of the day, a lot of families find comfort in numbers. When you get a 1550 on the SAT and you're given a percentile, you know where you stand. Mm-hmm. When you get a 3.9 or a 4.0, you know where you stand. But when I tell you, all right, rank this essay <laughs> on a percentile or assign a percentile to it. Right. Now it's like, uh, or, you know, take this resume and tell me, you know, what percentile you would assign to this resume. People sure. get confused. So then they go, they find comfort in numbers. They take solace in knowing, well, at least I know how I'm doing in my coursework. So that's where I'm going to mm. spend my time. And and this is where people, I think, get in trouble because then they get to the point of college applications and they've done all this amazing academic work, um, except it's di- indistinguishable from everyone else. I call them randomly well-rounded students. They've done a little bit of this, a little bit of that, had this leadership position, did this other thing, but there was no cohesion mm-hmm. across these different experiences. And so our job is to build that from the ground up and also to make sure that they're communicating it through their essays in a really compelling way. Hmm. Philip and I were just talking about, we were updating our marketing and stuff and, you know, the bio, it's just like the worst thing. And Mm. we made a company policy of like, you're not allowed to write your own bio anymore because it's one of the hardest things to do. So I couldn't even imagine, I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. Like, you know, you want to be one of the top 5% of people in the country to get into these institutions and to write that and portray that individually, or maybe just even as a family unit where you're pretty blinded to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the success and the the metrics that are important, it is super helpful to have that outside third party to but say like, hey, but wait, have you thought about this, 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 and that? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. It's really awkward to talk about ourselves, you know? Well, for some people, I don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for most of us, I, I guess. Most you know? us, yeah. But also it's, uh, it's kind of a bummer for these students because, okay, A, we might not like talking about ourselves or B, not know how to do it and C, not know how to do it in a very compelling way for the purposes of college admissions. And, you know, for some of these kids, it's the most important set of essays they've ever had to write in their lives. And they're being asked to do it for the first time, you know, during that high stakes process. So it's like, right. This is for all the marbles. Oh, wait, I have no experience doing it. Yeah. And it's very scary. I wanted to go, how many people do you have in your business? So I don't answer, you know, questions about organization size like that. But I mean, we, we serve a, a limited number of students every year. Please let me know your question behind the question. And I'd be glad to talk about it. Well, here's what, how do you do pricing? This is what I was going mm. at. Like in something service oriented, I would love to know like, well, what do you put a price to of like getting into the college that you want, right? Sure. Yeah. So for that, we have plans, um, you know, for students who are applying to a certain number of schools um, and that's how we assist them. So the most popular plans we offer um, are for the application. So let's say a student comes to us between junior and senior year, right? And they want help with a certain number of college applications. Um, We have three plans. Um, They're called the premium, the premium plus and the IV plan. And based on the number of schools you want our assistance with 10 versus 15 versus 20, we help students on a comprehensive basis, meaning there's unlimited advising and essay brainstorming and unlimited number of edits for all essays for that number of schools. So 
If you take the base plan, um, it's called our premium plan, where we'll help you on a comprehensive basis with everything you need for 10 schools applications. That one's $14,999 and then up from there. So the 15 school plan, uh, which is the most popular historically, that one is $17,999. And then that way, you know, parents don't have to wonder, you know, will you help with every? The answer is, yeah, that covers everything one would need. Um, for comprehensive support with that. It also includes support with waitlist letter preparation. As sure. Schools have, you know, had bigger and bigger waitlists. Also appeal letter preparation, which is a thing if a student gets rejected from their single top choice, they can appeal. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, kind of. But how did you get the pricing? Like, yeah, oh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like $14.99 sounds good. Like there had to have been a reason. And the reason why I asked this is hmm. we have a lot of people on our show that are thinking about starting a business. Hey, you sure. had a great idea, but like, how do you do a pricing? And to me, if you don't get the pricing right, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for you. And that's yeah. the reason why I'm like, but how do you do the pricing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, happy to talk about that. So every single person I've spoken with who has started a business um, has told me, and I will, I'll confirm this for myself too, you know, what the prices are t- today were, were not what they were. Different than, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's almost always the case. And, and there's an art and a science. I mean, what do most of us do? We're, you know, we look at, you know, other competitors and we see what they're charging. That's one way to do it. Other people will, um, you know, think about, okay, like what's my happy price? You know, like what should I, what should I do it at where I can, you know, be happy with it or sustain a business or what have you. But most of us, if we're being honest, like when we're starting out, we don't know how to price things. Amen um, to that. And, and usually, you know, not, I'm, I'll call it 99% because I'm sure there's someone out there who, you know, didn't do this, but um, we undercharge. Right. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, when I think about the level of support that we've, we've been providing sort of unlimited brainstorming, unlimited editing, all that kind of stuff, A, it's a lot of time. So if you break it yeah. down into like an, people say, well, how many hours? I mean, it's a lot. I've never counted because it's unlimited. Um, but it's right. a lot of hours. And so when you think about that, your, you know, your dollars per hour, you know, becomes a, a big factor. But then, you know, over time, you know, I would say back in the day, you know, the the plan now that's $14,999 was probably around $49.99. So, you know, right. it's become yeah. three times now. Not only because, not because necessarily the time has changed, um, but also I've, yeah, well, and experience, but also the value, right? Right. So when you think about, what you know top schools mean to be whether it's going to a top college or to a medical school or whatever the case might be i think more so than hours and dollars and all that kind of stuff what's the value and what's the demand so if these schools are so hard to get into but we can help increase your odds of getting in several fold there's a lot of value in that there's even more value than what we're charging right true and so based on that, I believe it's incredibly fair and justified. Another thing to think about is demand. You know, as you mm-hmm. do more work and serve students and they have tremendous success, you know, they tell other people as we've uh, written more resources for students to get into top schools and, you know, more people have come to us for support because they've heard about our work, then there is greater demand. And, you know, I want to serve as many people as I can, but we have a you know, a pretty sizable wait list now, um, only right. because, and we could grow and, and do things, you know, just for volume, but that's not ever how I want to approach my work. I want to make sure that we're supporting, 
you know, a sustainable number of students and, and giving them high quality. Right. And to do that, you know, we, we have to, you know, charge the investments that we do. And so that's the way I think about it. And I understand that it's not going to be accessible for everyone. And we have certain, you know, partial need-based aid programs for families who, who qualify and things like that. But at its core, I really think about value. I really think about demand. I really think about, um, you know, how hard we work uh, in helping our, our students and families achieve the results they want. So I think it's uh, our investments reflect those things. Yeah, totally. You deal with a lot of high caliber people, you know, really just listening to you and kind of like you're talking about the families that are focused solely on the quantifiable metrics or the, you know, the numbers, so to speak. What is the common thread that you see or that you're advocating to your clients like that, that authenticity of the student bringing that out? Like what is the thing these students should be focusing on outside of maybe the grades and the, you know, the test scores, Mm -hmm. what do you see as that kind of like competitive advantage? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. There's nothing specific that a student needs to do. So let me give you an example. Sometimes parents will, you know, have a student who is interested in science, right? And so they love, maybe they love engineering and, you know, they'll, those, what you should do is a little bit more clear there, right? Maybe it's having certain, you know, key internships at prestigious institutions or starting your own project or maybe even starting your own business where you're we're building something and selling something, whatever the case might be. And so for those students, you know, parents have a pretty clear sense of like, okay, this is a pretty serious thing. You know, science, we, we've seen the path of, you know, where science can take someone down the entrepreneurial route or make a big impact in their community, all this kind of stuff. Where it gets very tricky for families is if their student doesn't have a an interest that's seen as traditionally impressive. Usually the arts fall in that category, okay? So if a student might love cooking and be excellent at, at cooking, the parents will oftentimes talk about that as quote-unquote just a hobby. Mm. So, okay, yeah, I know they're good at cooking. Yeah, but it's just a hobby. But like, okay, like what's the serious thing we're going to do? And so that's when I think students and parents could be at odds with one another. And now students are being forced to join this club and this thing where, where their interests aren't really. Mm. But I believe that every single student can develop a compelling profile in whatever their area of primary interest is. I don't care if it's engineering. I don't care if it's cooking. I don't care if it's photography. I don't care if it's coding video games or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Because let's say, for instance, that, you know, there's a student who loves to cook and they, and, and, you know, I would understand, well, what about it do I, do you like? And they can give me all sorts of answers. So they might give me the answer of like, well, I just want to like create the perfect dish. Okay. That's a different answer than I just love the way food brings people together. Mm. because the student who answers the former well all right well let's develop the type of profile where you are you know developing an incredible like culinary background and you know showcasing that and who knows maybe you eventually help other people you know cook better and all this kind of stuff maybe you develop like a cookbook for teens or whatever there are so many paths we can go down right let's say if your goal is to bring people together okay who do you feel like needs to be brought together well, maybe there are certain families where the parents like, you know, work a lot and they're not really 
um, having joint meals together. And so you want to help, uh, you know, I don't know, families cook simple meals or that kind of thing, or, you know, assist with teens working with their parents on cooking it and, and bringing that joy. Or maybe it's certain people who can't really afford a good meal. So you develop a sure. program in your local community where you provide really beautiful, really healthy meals um, for families and then grow a network of that in your region, in right. your state, in the country and so on. So whatever your interest is can take you down different paths, even within the same domain and be very impressive. Yeah. And then well, also, go ahead. Well, yeah, I think like why I kind of was going in that vein is, you know, we obviously... You know, our kind of, you know, thing is, is um, we feel everybody has something that is uncommon about them, you sure. know, and that tapping into that passion. And, you know, as my, my, my oldest is now a freshman in high school, you know, mm -hmm. we're recording this and it's, we're starting to have those conversations about high school and, uh, you know, she's actually very, I'd say narrowed in where she, you know, wants to, uh, I would say, apply and, and the professions, you know, there's a spectrum of professions within her interest. So we're having those conversations. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm just kind of curious, maybe just as like, you know, a parent about to go through this, but, it, but also professionally of just like, how do we as a country or how as a business or as a collective, you know, help uh, the next generation tap into, you know, what is making them uncommon. And I kind of hear you saying it, in a, you know, your way, I think we're saying kind of the same thing. And so what have you seen, I guess, from, you know, parents or successful uh, students, you know, where they're tapping into that uncommon or that passion at a sure. younger age? Sure. A few things. Um, I think that we, as you know, I, I'm a parent of a, a three and a half year old and a, and a second on the way. Um, so oh, not quite in high school. Yeah, thank you. Not quite in high school yet. But I think it's important for us as parents to shed what we think can lead to a successful career. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that when, you know, some of us were growing up, like when I was growing up, uh, you know, we didn't have the jobs that existed today mm -hmm. or that exist today, I should say. Right. And so we have to be mindful of that. And not think, oh, like, you know, when we were growing up or what our parents did, these were the jobs that were available. Well, that's changing all of the time. Mm -hmm. And the way that, you know, marketing has changed with the rise of the internet and social media and also the way, you know, technology has allowed things to scale and how essentially anyone can access information about anything that interests them at any time and from anyone. That's a whole different thing. And that, this is just 2022. Right. And so by the time your daughter goes through high school and college and, you know, all this kind of stuff, but we also act like as parents, like we knew what we were doing back then. Right. You know, it's funny to me because when I was 14, you know, I thought I was going to do certain things. I don't do any of those things now, <laughs> but we expect our 14 year olds to know and we're upset with them if they don't have clarity sometimes. Yeah. I'm not saying you, I'm saying, no, you know, I, I see this kind of needed thing a to lot. hear that because I was one of those people that 14 who did know what they wanted to do and yeah. I'm actually doing it. So I think sometimes I don't, you know, I don't get upset with my kids, but I think I come maybe with a little additional, you know, layer or emphasis of like, you know more so just wanting to invest in them. But mm -hmm. um, what you, one of the things you, you uh, touched on there kind of let me do another question with social media. Now, I mean, do you guys have like a triage program? Like if you've got, they look great on paper, but there's a hot media. mess. You're it's a hot freaking mess. Take those pictures. Mess. Like what, what is that like now in, in, in this landscape? Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, you know, we'll, we'll discuss with our students. Um, you know, I, I encourage our students to keep, you know, all their settings private and to not, you know, invite people to check stuff out. 
um, or to you know be a follower or whatever it's called on different platforms uh, unless they know uh, who the person is but still to you know to be mindful of what you're posting and what you're putting out there because i think you can actually leverage it really well mm-hmm. um, or you can or you cannot and you know I, i'm throwing social media around because that's such a sort of common thing to dunk on these days but you know you can still use personal websites and linkedins and all this kind of stuff essentially there are there are ways to um, explore things and to you know develop a community however so you know if a student is really interested in you know one field or another they can leverage all sorts of technologies and what i'm saying is that there's more reach we can all have like i don't know that my um you know that my organization could have been uh what it is today you know pre-internet because we've put out a lot of resources online for what it Mm -hmm. takes to get into great schools and stuff like that and it's kind of crazy to think when i was in high school there was probably not even 10% of the information out there freely available about college admissions or medical school admissions. I remember hearing in like our model UN club, I remember where I was sitting in high school when someone literally wrote on the whiteboard, like we had a, I don't know, a consultant from outside for model UN, someone who had coached it a bit before who came and wrote on the board, use Google. So Google is this thing where da, 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 and I was like, and it's so silly right now because everyone knows what that is. But I remember right. in like 11th grade, not knowing what Google was. Right. And then I went home that day. I was like, whoa, you can find a lot of stuff here, you know? And so it's just like, and we don't know by the time that our kids are in high school and college and beyond what will be available. So I guess my point to parents is saying to maintain an open mind and understand that we're living in a world where there are a lot more opportunity, a lot more ways to achieve success. And so it's not, it's more so a question of where to like, where to hone in our children's interests rather than wondering if there's anything out there for them. Because there certainly is. We almost have like a, we're spoiled for choice. So if your student is showing an interest in something, promote that because at least they have some clarity and focus in the world of infinite options and to yeah. not, you know, bring our bias into it of, well, this is serious and this other thing is just the hobby. Right. I played football. You're going to play football or exactly. I'm, yeah. I took yeah. my kid to soccer practice. He literally didn't care. He was, <laughs> you know, he was just uh, lying down on the grass and making, you know, what I call grass angels, but you know, nothing yeah, to show for it in the grass, but he just wasn't interested. Right. And it was weird. Cause as a parent, I'm like, but I always thought he'd be like an athlete and all but he kind of doesn't care. And maybe that'll change, but you know, right. we have to, we have to shed what we thought they would be. How right. long have you been married? Shrug? I've been married now six years. Nice. How long have you had the business? It's a great question. So I've been doing this work nearly 20 years, the business with the name uh, that we have today and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's been eight years. Awesome. Nice. All right. Here's my question. So, how instrumental has your has your wife been in this or spouse been in this pursuit of this company? She's been incredible um, throughout all of this. I mean, there's been a lot of sacrifice, certainly, um, you know, throughout our relationship about, you know, time I would spend on working on, you know, our website or certain resources or processes that we've been developing uh, when she, you know, wished I had come to bed earlier. Um, <laughs> Amen you know, to that. Yeah, that still happens, um, you know, that's to good. this day. And so that's been a huge thing. Um, she's also, but I think that the, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest influence um, that my wife has had on, on me in this context is just, I think, developing a sense of peace with things. 
you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, you worry a lot about, you know, getting things right and serving people the right way or, you know, is there, are there things that we can improve or, yeah. um, you know, is there this, uh, you know, student we want to work with, but they decide to go somewhere else, all this kind of stuff. And just maintaining perspective of like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Like it's fine. Um, she has a, she has an incredible presence about her where she, she kind of, she has a, I think her, you know, disposition is like, it's fine. That's just like sort of the way she goes about life. Like no matter what, like it's fine. Um, and so that's something that has rubbed off on me more and more over the years because I, you know, I would describe myself much more as type A and, you know, achievement oriented and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and she's more like, I just want to like live peacefully kind calm. of thing. Yeah. She's yeah. calm. And, you know, it's so, funny. We've interviewed a lot of people in a lot of businesses and I love asking that question because without a supportive spouse, just throw it in the bag. Like it is a good decision. Sure. Uh, and it, it is something that like, they're kind of behind the curtain in a way for us to do what we love to do. But the sacrifices that like our loved ones do to have us do what we love to do and pour out and serve other people is significant. And one that we, we should absolutely talk more about. And so if you're listening to this and you have an amazing idea to go serve people, it's not that it's a bad idea, but your spouse needs to be your barometer. Is this a good idea? This is a bad idea because both of you are going to have to do some sacrificing. Mm -hmm. So I love that you talked about that. That's good. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And with, you know, children at, you know, there's uh, that's been magnified, you know, more than ever because, you know, now when you're not, it's not just, you're not spending time with your spouse. You're also not spending time with your kid when you're working. And also there are childcare responsibilities. It's not like when you're not together, you know, she's getting a manicure, right? Right. right? Um, she's, she's taking care of our son and, and that means so much. I think it's going to be interesting culturally, you know, with COVID and, you know, I was actually talking about this with my wife the other day, you know, working from home as much as we all have in all of our different professions, you know, it's really impacted every, you know, uh, nook and cranny, I think of the economy over the last two years. And I think seeing kids, seeing their parents in that way at home, uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the ripple effects of that. I think, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it'll be actually a positive thing, uh, as well. And so anyways, I was just kind of thinking about that. So how yeah. do our listeners hear more about you? Go to your website and and do that deal. Yeah, I mean folks can visit shemasianconsulting.com. Uh, if they want to get in touch, you know, there's always going to be a contact link in the top right corner of every page and they can reach out that way. But also if people want to have a resource on something super specific, um, they can always type my last name, which I'm sure you'll include in the show notes and whatever that subject is. Like for instance, if it's like Shamasian, how to get into Princeton. You can search for that. Um, if it's Shamasian, when should I take the MCAT? If you're interested in medical school, you'll find that too. So, you know, I encourage people to find our resources in that way. And if they want to get in touch, it's very easy to do so. Um, you know, they can email us at contact.shamasianconsulting.com or fill out any form. I'll see that. And I would love to assist. Awesome. awesome. Well, you've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. Thank you so much for being on the show. And if this resonated with you, please go find out more information. And until next time, go be uncommon and impact somebody. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. 
brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.